0: turn with me to Genesis chapter 2. This morning I am preaching on the seventh day of creation. So chapter 2 begins, thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day God had finished the work that he'd been doing, so on the seventh day he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done." First off, let me apologize, I couldn't find the clicker this morning, so Paul's my glamorous assistant, so every now and again I will be telling Paul to go to the next slide. Um, so yeah, I was thinking about this whole issue of, of rest. Um, and it just so happens this week has been a manic week and I've been absolutely shattered, um, which I can't tell if, if that's God trying to get me in the right frame of mind or if, or if it's just an attack to make me too tired to prep, but either way, I was very tired and uh, doing stupid things. Um, and it got me thinking. I got, it got me thinking. So I was talking to my dad. I said, hey, dad, what's the stupidest thing you've done when you were tired? And he said, whoa. He, he thought for far too long, if I'm honest. He's, I know he's done plenty. I think he was just narrowing it down for me. Anyway, he said, one time, we, we, uh, we were having your auntie over. So we were up all night the night before, making sure everything was, uh, was nice and clean and tidy. Anyway, I woke up the morning of... And rubbing the sleep from my eye, stumbled into the bathroom, brushed my teeth, grabbed some deodorant, (laughs) put it down, went, realized that my mum had left the furniture polish on the window ledge, so he was walking around smelling a pledge for the rest of the day. But this got me thinking, because it made me chuckle as well. I thought, well, I wonder wonder who else has has got stories of doing stupid stuff, because we all do it when we're tired. So Paul... If you can click to the next slide. So, obviously, I went to Facebook, the fountain of all knowledge, and I asked the question, what is the funniest slash strangest thing you've ever done when you were tired? If you click a couple more times for me, Paul. I got several responses. First, one of my friends, Ryan, he works in the fitness industry. Up really early in the morning. I used shower gel for toothpaste. Oh. Next. I nearly crashed the car trying to avoid a cow that wasn't there. (laughs) This one's a little bit dark. This is my brother. I once thought a pile of washing was Grandma Lily's dead body, and I sat and cried next to it. He was six at the time. I'm sure um, when my grandma found out, I can tell you she was thrilled to find out that we thought she looked like washing... And then, oh, there we go, next one. I approached my car on autopilot, unlocked it using the remote key, opened the door and sat in the back seat, only realizing my error when I couldn't find the steering wheel. That's, that's from, from Chester's own town crier, Dave Mitchell. And finally, I spent 10 minutes trying to open the front door, had to ring the landlord, only to be reminded I moved out two days earlier. Amazing, amazing. So these are just people I know. I thought, well, there's got to be more. So then I went, I went searching on the internet, found a few more, I tried to call my phone, using my phone to find my phone. We've all done that one, surely. The reply from, from uh, IonTarkus91 made me laugh really hard. I did something similar. I was walking around the house with my phone in my hand, getting more and more frustrated looking for my phone. I then came to the conclusion it must have fallen down the side of the bed, so I used the flashlight on my phone to look for my phone. Incredible. Next one. I put my pin number in the microwave. That's, that's gonna leave a crispy potato, isn't it? Uh, here we go, a couple more. Has anyone done this one? <laughs> I went a whole day of work like this. One foot, you've got your normal shoe, <laughs> other foot's the slipper. Has anyone done, anyone brave enough to admit to doing that? Excellent, and finally. I once, this, is, this is from a mum's website, this one, just to give you some context, I once tried to put a pull-up on instead of underwear after getting out the shower, and then I cried because I couldn't get it on, so yeah, when we are tired, we do silly things, it's, uh, I can't tell you the number of, of daft things I've done, the number of times I've injured myself, um, but we human beings are designed that way, we are designed to function in a way that means we need sleep. If we don't get enough of it, our brains start playing silly tricks, and yes, it's amusing at first, you know, doing, doing silly stuff like calling your phone to look for your phone, um, but the consequences of not getting enough rest can actually be quite, quite dramatic, uh, and in some cases, even lethal. Sleep has so many benefits for us. When we sleep, our blood pressure drops, muscles relax, our body tissue grows and repairs. Hormones are released, and our energy levels are replenished. It's a brilliant piece of design. And if I'm honest, I love it. I love a good sleep, Me, I can't tell you the number of times I've kind of sat down for five minutes, woken up an hour and a half later feeling great. I mean, I, I often get in trouble, but that's a husband's prerogative, isn't it? So after six days of working straight, it would be no surprise that you or I would need a rest on the seventh day. Honestly, like I say, I need more sleep than most. So I can, I can sit down for five minutes and wake up an hour and a half later. Not everyone, everyone's not like that, but for me, I love my sleep. Uh, but God, if we can go to the next slide. Oh, no, oh, that, was, that was while I was talking about sleep. If we go to the next slide, there we go. Does God get tired? God doesn't sleep. We can see in the Psalms, I mean, in fact, Sharon stole half my preach. Right before we started worship this morning, uh, Sharon read out a few verses that that reference this. But in Psalm 121, it says, I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. So if God doesn't need to sleep, God doesn't get tired Why would he rest on the seventh day? If we worship a sleepless God, it can't be because he was done in from from just making stuff. So what is going on here? If we go to the next slide, please. The word in this passage, translated as rest, is the Hebrew word, Shabbat, uh, which is where we get the word Sabbath from. Strictly speaking, this word doesn't mean rest in the sense that we use the word. When we say rest... We are talking about a break from work uh, in order to recover. Uh, But the word in its most literal sense means the cessation, to stop activity, Uh, which is a much more fitting description of what we see here in Genesis, since God needs neither sleep nor slumber. So as far as I can see, there are two main reasons why God rests on the seventh day. Firstly, for our benefit... By resting on the seventh day, God sets a pattern of work and rest for us. Because he built us. He knew how we would function best. So he, he modeled it for us so that we can function correctly. We were built for work even before the fall of creation. Adam and Eve were put in charge of ruling over the, over the earth um, and all the animals and all the, the, um, the plants and, and everything. God put them in position to rule, and that's work. Um, so yeah, we were built for work. God's pattern of work and rest in Genesis is just a blueprint for our life and an introduction of the Sabbath. These days, we seem to have forgotten days of rest. I don't know if you've noticed. I can see a few tired faces out there. I'm not going to look at anyone in particular, but I mean, this one is is one of them. Um, these days, we. With 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 kind of the advent of 24-hour shopping, shops are always open at seven days a week. Um, we we've got uh, we can be in contact with each other all the time through Facebook. Everyone is permanently available, permanently expected to be firing off, um, and there just seems to be this unhealthy cult of achievement and success. So this this is is the the kind of the kickback against this Sabbath rest. When we don't have it, this is what happens. And I can tell you now, I spoke to my doctor the other day, and he says stress and anxiety is at an all-time high. An all-time high. In the last 10 years, it's gone through the roof. And this is because, in part, we do not take time to just rest. We need to follow the example that God has set in place here. See, originally the Sabbath was set aside as a day of rest, not a special day of worship, because worship is a daily calling. We should be worshipping in everything we do. But the tragic irony of the Sabbath, if we go to the next slide, is that it was put in place to remind men that life does not depend on our human efforts to self-secure. And to remind us that there can and should be a regular time to pause and appreciate the gift of life in the presence of the giver. The Sabbath was God's way of asserting that the world he made for us will continue to spin on its axis regardless of what we do, regardless of our efforts, and that we can find a deep comfort and true rest in knowing that he is over all things. And what did men do with the Sabbath? We turned it into religious work that we have to do in order to earn our salvation. So we took this beautiful gift of a break from work and we turned it into work. Ridiculous. But that's what we do. The second reason for God saying it is finished and resting on that final day, well, just that. It's the first it is finished moment in the Bible. There are three main ones that I've identified. Um, well, I'll go through them in a moment. But it is God's declaration that his work of creation is finished. That everything that has, does, or ever will exist is accomplished by him in that moment for eternity. In the same way that a sculpture chisels away that final piece of stone and puts down his tools, or a painter makes that final brush stroke puts down a brush, steps back, and looks at the canvas. The work of creativity is only complete once the creator stops. Once they are fully satisfied, they step back and say, it is finished. So in that moment of the seventh day, God's work of creation was finished. The next it was finished moment was Jesus on the cross. that That was the point where God's work of grace and redemption was complete. And the final it is finished moment will be at the end of days when God's work of judgment is complete. So getting back to the text, God doesn't finish, finish working and then rest. He finishes by resting. He's rubber stamping creation with this day of rest, declaring that everything in existence is safely in his hands that the miracle of creation is held together and sustained in him. And it will not disintegrate if we stop trying to be good or trying to do good Christian life. The very foundation of the universe is built on God's promises, not our efforts. The flaw in my earlier analogy is that a sculpture can be smashed up, ground to dust, scattered in the wind. A painting can be ripped up, burnt, or painted over. But nothing can uncreate what God has created. Nothing can undo the completed work of God. When God says it is finished, those words reverberate through eternity. We see this echoed in the writing of Genesis. If you look, you'll notice all the way from the beginning to the end of day seven, there is a pattern. Uh, Where it goes, where it will describe what happens in that day, and then it will go, there was morning, there was evening, day one. There was morning, there was evening, day two. There was morning, there was evening, day three. All the way up to day six. That doesn't happen on day seven, it doesn't follow the same literary pattern. So you could say that because the day doesn't end, we are still living in the rest of the seventh day. In his resting, God blesses the seventh day. Previously, he hadn't blessed any of the days. He had blessed certain things within the day, but he hadn't blessed the day. And that's partially what makes this this last day so significant. But the work of blessing and sanctification is not a result of what God does, but a result of who he is. And since the seventh day is ongoing... So is the work of blessing and sanctification. By which I mean, all creation is set apart. All creation, that includes us, is set apart to display the glory of God. As I mentioned earlier, this is first of the, of the three it is finished moments in the Bible. The second one is really important for us. Jesus on the cross. In Hebrews chapter 4, The unnamed writer, whom many people believe to be Paul, compares people entering into God's rest with the Jews entering into the promised land. He then shows that even though the Jews did enter the promised land, they did not fully enter God's rest because they failed to mix the truth of God with faith. The writer then goes on to point out that in Psalm 95, verses 7 to 8, David prophesied that a new rest was coming. That new rest was what Jesus made possible when he came. When he came down and he died for us, dealing with our sin. That rest in, in the completed work of redemption and grace. The writer describes the rest available to Christians as a Sabbath rest in verse nine. Not because it comes through observing a religious day, but because it's a rest instituted by God, entered into by God himself, sustained by God, perfected in the death of Jesus, and freely available to all of us, totally independent of our works. Hebrews 4.10-11 to 11 goes on to say, for anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their own works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter God's rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. Now, this, this is a bit confusing now because it's saying we've got to make effort. How do we, how do we rest and make effort? How is, is effort even compatible with rest? Well, yeah. The effort comes by fighting our desire to get to God by our own achievements. The effort is to put to death the flesh to come to overcome our desire to succeed our way to god or to be fulfilled through our own efforts entering god's rest isn't just about ceasing our own activity though true rest comes when we engaged when we engage by faith with god in every area of our life and knowing that our salvation is not our achievement, but his. It comes from choosing to give God access to every piece of you and trusting that he will sustain you. Often when we look around, we see we see people with varying levels of busyness in their lives. Some are extremely busy with every last second of their day completely accounted for. Others appear to be very laid back and have loads of time on their hands. And when we look at this, we'd naturally assume the person with loads of time on their hands is really relaxed, really chilled, and is absolutely at rest. But that isn't necessarily the case. See, being at rest isn't a simple matter of how much you do or you don't do. It's it's not about how much activity is in your life. It's about giving yourselves completely to whatever God has planned To trust that when we respond to the call of God with faith, that God will provide the means to fulfill that call and remain in his rest. See, people have different capacities and different callings, but God meets us where we are, and he gives us what we need to fulfill his plans for our life. Note I said, what we need, not what we want. We often think what we need, we often think what we're asking for is what we need. God will give us what we, what we actually need. So when tough times come, and they will, and they do, it could, there's, there's a number of, of, of reasons why they come. It could be that we're being spiritually oppressed. It could, be, it could honestly be an attack of the enemy trying to stop you from progressing. It could be because we're giving ourselves to things that God is not asking from us. It could be that we're giving ourselves to the right things, but we are not drawing on the resources that God has given us with our faith. We're not engaging with the mission. It can also be that through absolutely no fault of our own, we are in a situation where stress is unjustly put upon us. And that happens a lot. But the scripture reminds us that God is able to do far more abundantly abundantly than we can ask or think of. So we can lean on him. We often come into stress because we're we're trying to think our way through our Christian walk. A Christian walk requires God's wisdom, which is far beyond our, our understanding. And so it's not surprising that we can't see the resources and the big picture that lies in the heart of God for us. But I want to make something very clear. Being under stress is not failing. Struggle is not sinful. It's how we respond in those times of difficulty that will impact how long it lasts. I've spoken a lot about stress in particular this morning. That's because it's an area that I have personal experience of. Um, but This rest that I'm talking about, this resting in God, applies equally to things like guilt, fear, doubts, anxiety, the feeling of not being good enough, broken relationships. This rest applies to all those situations. And we can either choose to lean into our circumstances and tire ourselves out trying to fight our way through it, or we can choose to seek after him who causes all things to work together for our good. There have been some extremely difficult times in my life that God has actually used to develop my character and strengthen my relationship with him. And now I look back at those those times that were horrible at time. I would have done anything to escape those situations, but I can see how in the storm, God schooled me. So don't, don't feel like just because you're going through something difficult and it's, it's not stopped yet, don't feel like God isn't using that. God will, will take even the worst of situations and use it for his glory and for your good. And my experience with stress and anxiety and depression allows me to to bring the truth of God into those situations for people that would not listen to me otherwise. So God will use your difficulties and if you are faithful in them, he will turn it for his glory. And I thank God for those struggles, I do. Because I am a stronger person now and when I say I am a stronger person, what I mean is I am much faster to yield to God's control it takes a great amount of strength to say, you take it. We have this, this false idea of what it means to be strong. This society, it, you can just take the hits and keep going. Yeah, yeah, you're really strong. That's great. Well done. No. Strength comes from knowing when it's time to say, God, that's yours. So if we want to enter God's rest... We have to choose to walk through the gateway of faith. We have to choose to trust him in those difficult times. We have to choose to trust him with that friendship that doesn't seem to, just won't, won't fix itself. We have to choose to trust him with addiction, with oppression, with feeling like, I can't take another breath. We need to trust God with those. We need to take them to him, lay them at his feet, fall on our face and say, God, I can't do this, but you can. And that's where we find rest. Nothing we can do. In Ephesians 2, 8 to 9, it says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. And Matthew 11, chapter, 28, chapter 11, 28 to 29 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. So that's what we're going to do. What we're going to do now is, I want to have a little time of prayer Um, I don't, I'm not going to talk anymore. Keep it short and sweet this morning. The truth of God doesn't need repeating. I mean, it, it bears repeating. Don't get me wrong. But when it's, when the truth has been spoken, sometimes we just need to rest in it. So let's take a moment now to rest in that truth. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. It's rest from anxiety. It's rest from stress. It's rest from the guilt of things you've done in the past that you don't think God can forgive you for. Well, guess what? He can. He already has. You just need to accept that forgiveness. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest from your fears, from your financial problems from your health issues, from your fear of the future. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. So we're gonna pray. I'm not gonna make people come to the front, but if if I could ask everyone to just close your eyes right now. So no one can see anyone else right now. If you need prayer, if you need the rest, you need to know God's rest. If you feel you need to be freed from fears, from doubts, from stress, anxiety, from worries about the future, from, from the guilt, then please just raise your hand now. No one's watching. I'm quite happy to say my hand is in the air. Father God, we thank you that we can rest in your completeness. That just as you rested on the seventh day, to declare that the whole of creation was complete, Father, we can rest in the finished work of the cross of Jesus. That you are more than enough for us. That we can't do life by ourselves. Lord, give us the strength to yield. Lord, take these these things that are, uh, are binding us up. Take them off the altar. Lord, we've put we've put them in a high place. We've put them in a place where we think that you know that's that's so bad. God can't deal with that. Lord, take it down. Every stronghold shall be broken. Every high thing will come down. Lord, fill that space. We need you. Lord, I pray specifically for anyone who's suffering with anxiety, Father. Lord, that you will take that tightness in their chest and you will just destroy it. You will replace it with, with this just liquid joy, Father. Lord, that stress will be lifted off. The guilt from the past will be taken away, Lord, because you have dealt with it. Nothing, can't, there's, there's nothing that can't be overcome by the blood of Jesus. Lord, we rest in that truth now. Amen.